Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. You will have tribulation, trials, difficulty, pain, sorrow, grief. But, (laughs) cheer up. Be encouraged. Why? Because I have overcome the world. No matter how bad it is, it can never change how good God always is. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 1 Thessalonians. Can you imagine having someone on your team who's always kind, always helpful, never gets down on you and never walks away when the going gets tough? In today's message, Pastor J.D. wants to encourage you that this explains Jesus to a T. He has overcome the world and will get you through anything life throws your way. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We also know that he taught him Bible prophecy in that short period of time as a new church as new believers, because he starts by saying, you already know this. You already know this because I already taught you this. And you already know this because when I was with you, I taught you about the rapture of the church and Bible prophecy. And these were new believers. I point this out because the teaching of Bible prophecy is part of, I would say, a big part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In fact, I would argue that the very first mention of the gospel came by way of a prophecy in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 15, often referred to as the Proto-Evangelicum, meaning it was the gospel in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, where God declares that there will come this seed of the woman. That's the virgin birth. That's a prophecy of the virgin birth, because women do not have the seed, men do. Women have the egg. The seed of a woman, the virgin birth, a prophecy, will crush the head of the serpent. The serpent will bruise his heel, that's the crucifixion, but he will crush his head. That is the first mention. And for those students of Bible prophecy, it's the principle of the first mention, and it comes by way of a prophecy, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's Bible prophecy. One of the things as a teacher of God's Word, going through the Bible, book by book, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse, you're not going to get away with not talking about Bible prophecy, because well nigh one-third of the Bible is prophecy. So, I mean, if, if, if you're wanting to stay away from teaching Bible prophecy, God forbid, 
But you got to take your Bible and start ripping pages out of it, like a lot, because a third of the Bible is prophecy. I found three reasons in our text today. You might find more. But I found three that, to me, speak to the importance of Bible prophecy. And the first one is in verses 1 through 3, and it's that of being ready. Here, Paul likens the Lord's return to a thief in the night. Yes, this is an idiom, but he says that the Lord's return will be as a thief in the night, while people are saying two specific words, peace and security. And while they are saying peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them, as a thief in the night, as a woman travailing in labor, and they will not escape. We know that verse very well. I think we do well to consider the context in which Paul says it. Specifically, that of how the Lord's return will be for them, not us, them as a thief in the night. This is important, and here's why. A thief is not going to call you, or text you, or email you, and say to you, hey, I'm going to rob you. I'm going to break in and rob you at 2 a.m. Is that a good time for you? Not going to happen. And because that will never happen, you always have to be ready. You always have to be prepared, because you don't know. And so too, is this true when it comes to the Lord's return? It will be for them, because they're not ready as a thief in the night, and they will be caught off guard. But not you. I don't know if you noticed as we were reading the the text today, but Paul is very clear in delineating between they and we, them, you. (laughs) You are not like them. You are not of the day, of the night. You're of the day. You're not... (laughs) You're you're aware of this. You're ready for this. Why? Because I taught you about this, and I told you about this. I don't even need to write to you about this, because you already know this. Well, this really dovetails and ties into our second one in verses 4 through 8. And it's that of being aware, or if you prefer, awake. This is interesting. Here, Paul tells them that for them, the Lord's return will not be a surprise, because they're aware, they're awake, not like those who are asleep. Different word than the word that Paul uses when he talks about the the sleep of death, those who are asleep in death. Different word here. He's talking about a spiritual sleep. The implication being that there are those who are asleep spiritually, and as such they're not awake, they're not alert, and they're not ready. Instead of being asleep spiritually, the Thessalonians were to be awake and to be alert. 
I was thinking about this, um, actually just this morning when my alarm clock woke me up at 3.30 a.m. I hate alarm clocks. I'm so thankful there will not be alarm clocks in heaven. I try to go to bed on Saturday nights early, knowing that I need to get up early on Sunday mornings. And I fell asleep last night by the grace of God. Thank you, Lord. Uh, about 9, 9.30. And then the alarm clock woke me up at 3.30 this morning. Now, between 9.30 and 3.30, I have no idea of anything that happened while I was sleeping. I had no idea what was going on while I was sleeping. Now, I have security cameras. So in the morning when I wake up, I can, you know, look at the the cameras and say, oh wow, oh my, oh, all of that happened while I was sleeping. Yeah, I was totally unaware of anything that was happening because I was sleeping. You see where I'm going with this, right? In the spiritual sense, a Christian can be sleeping and totally unaware of anything that is happening around them. That's why they're startled and stunned and surprised to the lateness of the hour, the urgency of the times in which we live. Paul writing to the Romans chapter 13 says basically, wake up! I just woke up a couple of people just now saying like that. Wake up from your slumber. You're you're sleeping. You're unaware of anything and everything that is happening in the world today. Our salvation draws nearer now than it ever has before. And that was 2,000 years ago. Well, come on, pastor. That was 2,000 years ago. I know, that's what I'm saying. That was 2,000 years ago. What are you saying? I'm saying that for the last 2,000 years, we've been living in the last days, for the last 2,000 years. And here's Paul saying, hey, we don't know when the Lord's going to return. Don't you find it interesting, and we talked about this a little bit last week in chapter 4, where Paul says, we who are alive and remain will be caught up, raptured up to meet the Lord in the air. Paul thought it was in his lifetime. We? That was Paul talking and writing, we who are alive, us, we. They lived with that expectancy, that anticipation that the Lord could come at any time as a thief in the night. At an hour we expect not. And they were always ready. And by the way, that is by God's design. So that we would always be watching, always be ready, always be awake, always be aware. And lastly, and this is what I want to spend the remainder of our time on, always be encouraged. Verses 9 through 11, to me, are one of the most compelling proofs of a pre-tribulation rapture. By the way, for those of you who were not here last week, you can go online, uh, and the teaching was titled, Pre-Tribulation Rapture Proof. Proof. Not a theory, 
It's a proof, the sound doctrine of the pre-tribulation rapture. And there are many, but just in our text last week, we talked about three. And this is one of them. By virtue of how the sound doctrine of a pre-tribulation rapture builds us up and encourages us. So Paul would not say to them then and us now that you can be encouraged and encourage one another if the rapture were not before the seven year tribulation. Instead of encouraging them, he would be warning them. You better get ready. You better uh, buckle up. You better, you know, plan on surviving until the Lord comes. No, the Lord's going to come. And to the church of Philadelphia in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus has John, by the Holy Spirit, write a letter to this church telling them that He is going to keep them from the hour of tribulation, the seven year tribulation that is coming upon the whole earth. And He encourages them to hold on. I know you have little strength, but just hang on, not much longer. You have kept my name. You have not denied my name and you have kept my word. I'm going to keep you from the hour of tribulation that is coming upon the whole earth. What's he doing? He's encouraging them. Notice Paul says we're not only to be encouraged ourselves, but we're to encourage one another as well. And he commends them and says to them, even as you are now doing. Again, I, I know I'm repeating myself, but this to me is one of the most compelling proofs of a pre-tribulation rapture. The fact that we can be encouraged and encourage one another. Hold on. Not that much longer. You know, and we saw this in chapter 4 when Paul is writing. He's writing to a battle-weary church there in Thessalonica. They were under severe and intense persecution, and they were asking questions which presumably Timothy brought back when Paul and Silas sent Timothy to Thessalonica, all because Paul could not go himself, though he longed to. And apparently they sent back word with, with Timothy, hey, ask the Apostle Paul, what about our loved ones who have died. And that's why Paul says, we don't want you to be uninformed. It's stronger in some other translations where he says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who have died. If they died in Christ, guess what? <laughs> They're going to rise first in the bodily resurrection. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. How encouraging is that? Especially for those of us who have lost loved ones. I think about my daughter Noelle. I cannot wait for her to rise first and be given her new body, her glorified body. She <laughs> 
put off the, the diseased body that took her life on this earth, but she's going to be raised again and given her new body first, and then I'm going to get to see her again in the air. Can't wait. Can't wait. That really encourages me. That really comforts me. My mom, same thing. 1995, she died in my arms, and it was really intense, and it was like the Lord knew that I needed for this to happen this way. So she's in a a coma, and I'm holding her hand, and I'm reading out of the Psalms, and and all of a sudden, you know, the the machine, or the beep, 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 I hate that thing. (laughs) All of a sudden it went beep. And her, her hands lifted up, and her eyes opened up, as if to be ushered into the presence of the Lord in her spirit, not her body. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That was 1995. It is so encouraging to me to know that my mom is going to get her new body. I hope my dad too. I don't know for sure. That was in 1994. And then I think about, and you'll forgive me, I don't want to wax emotional here, but I think about all of those that were a part of this precious and amazing church fellowship who went home to be with the Lord. And we're going to see them again too. They're going to rise first. How encouraging is that? You might be here today, or watching online, and going through a very, very difficult trial, very painful trial. And it's so intense for you that there are days that you think, there's no way I'm going to get through this. There's no way I'm ever going to know joy on the other side of this. One of the things I'm learning is that the enemy will always try to convince you that it's worse than it really is, or that it will last longer than it really will. You will get through it because God's going to get you through it. Yeah, but pastor, this is, this is really hard. This is really painful. This is really difficult. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. You will. You'll see. You just wait on the Lord. I think about Psalm 27 verses 13 and 14, where David so passionately, as the sweet psalmist of Israel, writes that he had almost lost heart. He had almost given up. He had almost thrown in the towel. I'm not going to make it through this. And then he says, I would have lost heart had it not been for my confidence remaining in the Lord, that I was to wait on the Lord and be strong and courageous and wait for the Lord, because I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know what he was saying? This side of heaven, I'm going to see 
God's goodness even in this as hard as it is. I mean, it's bad. But God, as only He can, can take whatever is bad, and He can work it for good. Only He can do that. You will get through it. You be encouraged. Be courageous, be strong, and wait for the Lord. I think about what Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 33. One of my favorite verses, along with all the other verses in the Gospel of John. He says, in this world you will have tribulation, trials. Oh, I wish he would have not said it that way. I wish he would have said it like this. In this world there's a good chance that you might possibly have some difficulty. That's much better, much more plausible and, you know, palatable. No, he doesn't say that. He says, you will, guaranteed, you will have tribulation, trials, difficulty, pain, sorrow, grief. But, (laughs) cheer up, be encouraged. Why? Because I have overcome the world. No matter how bad it is, it can never change how good God always is. He will bring good, and ultimately in the end, oh, the suffering of this world is not even worthy to be compared with the glory that awaits. Can you imagine? It's, it's unfathomable. Paul even struggles and virtually says it would be criminal to try to even describe what awaits, the glory that awaits. I mean, we get a glimpse in the book of Revelation. There's no more sorrow. There's no more death that alone. There's no more night. There's no more pain. I think about those that live daily in chronic and consistent pain, debilitating pain. In heaven, no more pain. No more cockroaches either. I just, uh, you know, I just want to throw that in there. I, maybe there will be, but they'll be, they'll be glorified. Anyway, that's, I don't know why I brought that up. I just, I've always You know how we always say when we get to heaven, we want to ask God, I'm going to ask God, why did you make mosquitoes? I don't know. Be encouraged. Not much longer. Hold on. He's coming. You've been listening to In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The church in Thessalonica that you've been hearing about was a fairly new church at the time this letter was written. They'd only recently come to understand the power of unconditional love demonstrated by the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. However, as with many churches in those days, they were troubled by persecution. This group of believers continued to follow Jesus, and the Apostle Paul praised them for their faithfulness. Are you feeling persecuted for your faith? It can happen even in this modern world. Jesus is aware of it, and he's there for you. He's provided you with scripture to encourage you and the Holy Spirit to guide your steps and your words. Keep looking to Him for your source of strength. 
We're so glad you joined us for today's message. We'd like to let you know how you can find out more about In Spirit and Truth. Just visit our website, InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Our audio library is available there in the archive. Or you can download our mobile app to take these teachings on the go. This app is a great asset for your time of study and includes audio for Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. Just search for In Spirit and Truth in your app store to download. That's all for today's message. Thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth. Keeping me right